ready for the reading of the scripture, which is found on page 871 in the Pew Bible. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. Hear the word of God. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who take re- takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, so back in, I think it was 1977, there was a man by the name of Gary Hewitt. He was a businessman in Ashtabula, Ohio, well, North Kingsville, Ohio, Ashtabula area. He went to an auction, and he bought something for $1. Anybody know what he bought? Probably not because you're not from Ashtabula area. He bought a covered bridge. Tanya knew the answer. (laughs) He bought a covered bridge for $1. Now, this bridge was getting older. It was one of the first bridges built, covered covered bridges built in Ashtabula County. And Ashtabula County is known for their covered bridges. But what was he going to do with the covered bridge? Well, he and a group of a few other men, one of which was my uncle, they marked every single post If you've ever seen inside a covered bridge, they have like crossbars with little pinions that go in them to hold them together. They marked each one with a piece of chalk, and they pulled out the little pinions, pulled out the boards. They took this thing apart, board by board, and transported it from where it was into two places, North Kingsville, Ohio, and Andover, Ohio. And they put it back together, so they basically cut it in half, And they had one part of the covered bridge in one area, another part about 20 minutes away, 20 minutes to half hour away in Andover, Ohio. Why? Because he created a business known as Covered Bridge Pizza. Yeah, why not have pizza in a covered bridge? So if you go to Ashtabula, to North Kingsville, Ohio, or Andover, Ohio, you can actually eat pizza within a real covered bridge. Now, if you're from this area, Covered Bridge Pizza is the best pizza you ever had. I'm telling you, it is so good. It is, there's nothing that can compare. And it's not because my grandmother was the one who came up with the recipe for the dough. <laughs> she did. And she made that dough for 30 years until she retired like three times and kept going back and Finally, she just got so feeble and weak that she couldn't work anymore. And they actually have a picture of her in this establishment. And they called her, her name was Wilberta. 
They called her Pizza Willie. So why am I telling you this? Because I want you all to someday go to Ashtabula and enjoy Cover Bridge Pizza. And I can tell you how great it is. But until you experience it for yourself, it's just words. You might be able to think about what pizza tastes really good. But until you experience this one, you might not believe me that it's the best ever. And I'm not just being biased. It really is the best pizza ever. Tanya, is it the best? See, don't take my word for it. Take Tanya's word for it. It's the best. So, and I know I've told a few of you about Coverbridge Pizza before. Um, Pastor Ian got to experience it. He and I went to Ashtabula one time, and he got to experience Coverbridge Pizza. But my point is, I can stand up here and I can read this entire book to you and I can tell you how wonderful God is and I can preach and preach and preach, but until you experience God for yourself, it's just words. It's just thoughts. It's theory. But when you experience God for yourself, that changes everything, doesn't it? That's what David wanted us to do. When he wrote Psalm 34, which, by the way, Interesting fact about Psalm 34, you're not going to see it in the English, but if you take the Hebrew words, like if you had a Hebrew Bible, and you look at each word, the first word in every stanza, there's 22 individual verses in this psalm. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each verse, the first word, the first letter, is a letter from the Hebrew alphabet in alphabetical order. It's a style known as, I might get this term wrong, I think it's called acrostic. Um, but it's basically when you take the first letter of each word and you match it to something, in this case, the Hebrew alphabet. So that's just an interesting little fact about Psalm 34. But that one verse that we read, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. Has that verse ever confused you? Because it confused me for years. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How am I going to taste and see? And then it hit me one day. Well, God spoke to me. You know, how many times have we said, oh, it hit me one day, or I had this thought. That's God speaking, everyone. That is the Lord speaking to you. Taste and see. Until you experience something for yourself, you're not going to know what it's really about. People can tell you. But nothing beats experience, does it? Nothing beats experience. So David's not trying to say, I want you to take a bite out of Jesus. No, he's saying, experience it and then believe. Okay? Have you heard the term seeing is believing? Right? When you see something, you can believe in it. That's the, the, the um, slogan for the state of Missouri, show me. The show me state. Show me and I will believe. Well, taste, when we taste something, we experience it. We know what our favorite foods are because we experience them. And like, oh, I like that. I want to have that again. So there's the experience. And then see, believe. So experience God and believe for yourself that he is good. This is our second step for overcoming fear. Last week we talked about we overcome fear by using our faith. And we use faith every day. When we turn the key to turn the car on, we flip that light switch. How many times have you flipped the light switch when the, you know the power's off? 
after the power comes back on, we got to go around the house and turn all the lights off. In fact, the power was out here a couple weeks ago, and, and Chuck, I'm pretty sure we left some lights on. So I apologize for that. But anyway, we, we do that in faith. And faith is one way we overcome fear. Another way we overcome fear is to experience God for ourselves and then believe that he does keep his promises. And that's the first part of this, his promises. I had written down several of his promises from Scripture that I wanted to read to you. Let's see if I can find it now. I'm a little bit unprepared today. Um, well, I know the first one is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I cannot find it now. There it is. Um, oh, I cannot find it. Oh, well. I'll go back to the old-fashioned way. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes this while he's in prison, in chains. Not just in prison, he was in chains. And he managed to write this letter to the Philippians to encourage them. And he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So don't be fearful or have anxiety about anything, but with everything, take it to the Lord in prayer, and then peace will overcome you. Now I want to read from Isaiah chapter 41, very common verse, quoted a lot. Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your guard. I will strengthen you. I will also help you. I will also uphold you with my righteous right hand. Then a few verses later, verse 13, he says, For I am the Lord God who takes hold of your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. And there are many more. He tells Joshua to not fear when Joshua's about to lead the entire nation of Israel into the promised land full of giants. He'd seen them for himself. He experienced these giants. He knew what they looked like. But he, God said, do not fear, for I am with you. And he's telling all of us, do not fear, for I am with you. That is a promise. There's a hymn we sing sometimes, standing on the promises. Because we can trust God. We can believe. When he has promised something, he will see it through. Again, just words until you experience it for yourself. Now, there's also a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So I'm not telling you to go out and stand on a two-story building and jump down and say, I'm not going to fear heights. I'm not going to fear falling off. God will protect me. That's putting God to the test. Don't do that. But when you get up to the top of that two-story building or three-story building and you kind of look out the window, don't be afraid because God will protect you. There's a difference. When you get to a large crowd of people and you think, I'm going to look like a fool, and you start to feel tightness in your chest, 
and you just want to get out of there, turn to God. Say, God, you said you are with me. I have nothing to fear. That short little prayer can change everything for you. When you're afraid of failing, when you're afraid of rejection, when you're afraid of disaster, afraid of terror, afraid of going to sleep, whatever you're afraid of, just pray and say, God, you promised you're with me and see if things don't change for you. Because God is not going to just say, you know, I'm sorry, you know, last Thursday you did something wrong and I just can't do it now. He's not going to say that. God's going to hear that prayer and he's going to help you in that situation because of two things. You are coming in faith, the first step, and you're wanting to experience him, the second step. And he's going to show you so that you can see that he is good. He wants the best for us. You know why? This is something that a lot of people have a hard time with. He loves us. We can believe that God loves everybody else, but a lot of times we can't believe that God loves us. Why is that? Because we know who we are. We know what we've done. We know us. We've tasted and seen us. But have you tasted and seen the Lord? You can experience yourself, but have you experienced God? And you might say, yeah, I have. And a lot, I know probably all of us have. But when those moments of fear come and you feel like I'm all alone, I got nowhere to go, I don't know what to do, I'm losing control, and panic starts to set in, he's only a prayer away. And it doesn't have to be formal. I don't mean you have to like find a place where you can get down on your knees and put your hands together and close your eyes. I mean, say it in your mind, say it out loud. I don't care how you do it. Just say, Lord, help me. Or Lord, you promised you'd be with me. Here I am. I don't care how you say it. But when you ask God to help you, he will not go back on his promise. He never has. Never. When he says he's going to do something, no matter how small or large it is, he does it. He absolutely does every time. And we have many experiences of that in the Bible that we can read. So that's one thing, prayer. So important. And, you know, there are people that have written books. There are people that have preached sermons about how much time you should pray, how often you should pray. It's an individual matter. So if I wrote a book and said, well, you've got to pray 10 minutes a day, that works great for me because I wrote the book, okay? But it may not be good for you. Maybe you only pray a couple minutes a day, or maybe you pray a half hour a day or an hour. Whatever it is, it's whatever you and God have decided. Just pray. There are people who will tell you how to pray, what to say. That works for them. What works for you and God? And you know, it can change and it can grow and develop, but just pray. And the second part, and you probably think I'm a broken record because I've been saying it so much. Read this. Read this book. 
because this book will change your life. Many of us have started reading the Bible in the one-year plan. There's a few of us that have uh, joined on the app. I know several people have taken the paper. I actually got to look. I think we might be out of papers. If you need a paper and it's not back here, let me know. I'll get you one. But just read. And if you don't want to follow that plan, I don't know if I can do a whole year, then just read whatever God leads you to read. You know, some of the best times that I've ever learned something from God was not when I was following a plan. It was when I just felt like God said, hey, turn to 1 Samuel. Hey, turn to 2 Kings. Hey, go read the book of Malachi. Okay, and you do. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to understand it, but he's got something in there for you. And that's experiencing God. And then you'll see and believe that he is good. So last thing I want to talk about is the fear of God. Because people often get confused about that. And, and David mentioned it here in, in one verse, that those who have the fear of God lack nothing. So what is, if fear is bad, what is the fear of God? Well, first of all, I didn't say fear is bad. Fear is a natural thing created by God. It keeps us out of danger. It's just that when it becomes irrational or goes too far, that it becomes a bad thing. So what is the fear of God? It is knowing who he is and knowing what he can do, knowing what he has done, knowing that he is greater than we are. The fear of God is really all about knowing, knowing God. For when you know that if I touch a hot stove, I'm going to get burnt, there's a fear of a hot stove. That's a healthy fear. Knowing that if we don't put our trust and faith in God, that we have to believe that his son died for us. And man, I wish I had a couple more hours because I would explain the gospel in a way you've never heard it before, but you'd probably all get up and leave on me. But knowing that, and trusting in that and understanding why Jesus had to die on that cross. That's the fear of God. Knowing that without Jesus dying on that cross, that we are doomed for destruction, that's the fear of God. Knowing that God loved us so much that he gave his son to die on that cross, and that we have a way out, that's the fear of God. So the fear of God is a very good thing. And knowing that if we ignore it and we reject it and we say in our own minds, hey, I know I got something better because I did it. That's not the fear of God. That's the way of Cain in Genesis chapter 3, who brought a sacrifice to God from his own hands when his brother Abel brought a sacrifice that God desired. Don't be like Cain. Trust God. So, as I told somebody earlier this week, I am not going to be able to give you a list of 10 things and say, do these 10 things and you won't have fear anymore. Okay? What I'm presenting to you, these three steps, with the next one coming next week, is three things that we can look at, ask, take it to God, apply it to ourselves, and say, God, how do we work together for me to overcome fear? Because we all have irrational fears, and sometimes they come and go, sometimes they last a little bit longer, sometimes we feel like we've finally overcome them and something else comes. So in those moments, 
We go to God and we say, I believe, though I don't see, I want to experience you, and next week we'll talk about knowledge of what fear is. So when we apply these three steps and we take it all to God, that is a way that we can overcome fear. But more than anything else, more than any of these three sermons, just know that it is God who is the one who helps you overcome fear. It's not yourself. It's not me. It's not your spouse or your kids. It is God who ultimately helps you overcome fear. I can help. Your spouse can help. Your kids can help. Your friends can help. But it is God ultimately who helps you overcome any fear. I'm glad to help. I'm sure your spouse and kids and friends are glad to help, or anyone. But God has to be number one, or you won't overcome fear. But we do it with faith, we do it with experience, and then with knowledge, which we'll talk about next week. So hopefully, after these three sermons, you'll be able to come to God and say, it's time to talk about this fear that I've been carrying for a long time. Let's get rid of it. Hopefully you will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for being beyond words, beyond comprehension. We don't need to fear illness. We don't need to fear financial problems. We don't need to fear relationship problems. We don't need to fear anyone or anything because of you. But God, we need to experience you in a ways that we will know and understand that we don't need to fear. And Father, that is hard for us at times. So help us. Come to us, guide us, teach us, direct us, so that we can overcome our fears. We ask this of you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.